Okay. Uh, so uh, next up, uh, we, hash, we have um, Bushveld Minerals. Um, it's a London-listed, uh, vertically integrated primary vanadium producer with operations uh, predominantly in South Africa. The company's low-cost Vimeco asset currently produces around 3% of global vanadium supply uh, with plans to uh, increase production well beyond that in the medium term. So please, welcome me, uh, please join me in welcoming uh, Fortune Mojipelo, CEO of Bushveld. Well, thank you very much. Um, it's an honor for me to be presenting here today. Um, the presentation is going to be a bit of a sprint, so you'll bear with me and try to keep up with me. Um, <clears throat> dispensing with the legalities. Um, so Bushfield Minerals, uh, AIM listed company, we've been listed since 2012, uh, market cap of uh, just over $550 million uh, with just over 1.1 billion uh, shares in issue. Um, we have seen fairly stellar growth in our share price and our market cap over the last two years a 20-fold growth in the share price, uh, largely on the back of the acquisition of the producing Vametco alloys mine and processing plant in South Africa, uh, which we did over the space of the last two years. Uh, as a company, our vision is to be a leading low-cost and vertically integrated primary vanadium uh, mining and processing platform. What that means are two key components. Um, on the one hand, you've got high-quality, large, scalable, and low-cost mining and processing infrastructure, currently supplying about 3% of the global market, but targeting to grow that uh, to over 10%, which is about 10,000 metric tons vanadium production uh, in the next three to five years. Alongside that is Bushford Energy, which is a vehicle that we created to drive the adoption of vanadium redox flow batteries in the growing and exciting energy storage market. So our resource-based 440 million ton uh, in combined across three assets, uh, among some of the highest grades in the world at between 1.5 to 2% V205, um, and as I indicated earlier on, a really low-cost scalable uh, processing platform that we can grow uh, into a 10,000 metric ton uh, per annum production platform um, in the next uh, three to five years. The assets are on the world famous Bushvolt complex, uh, which uh, is responsible for uh, platinum and chrome. Um, it is also host to the world's largest primary vanadium resources. Um, and uh, we've got three assets, principally on the northern and the western limb of the Bushvolt complex. Um, those three key assets, at the core of it is Vametco, which we acquired over the last two years, as I indicated. It's a low-cost producer that produced 2,560 metric tons of vanadium last year, which is equivalent to just under 3% of the global market. A low-cost producer and a really solid cash-generating asset, um, and this is an asset that generated more than $100 million of EBITDA just last year alone. Um, a, a really good return for an asset we acquired for just under $20 million um, two years ago. Right next to Vametco is the uh, Brits Vanadium Project, which is really just a strike extension of the uh, Vametco mine. Uh, similar mineralization, similar grades. We completed a drilling program there, and we expect to declare a mineral resource estimate during the first, this quarter, um, which will add to the 440 million ton resource base that we have. Then the Mokopane Vanadium Project, by far the best greenfield primary vanadium project there is out there, a pre-feasibility study completed in 2016. On the back of a $33 price per kilogram view of vanadium delivers a 25% IRR. 
Today price is north of $70. This is a workless deposit and a workless project requiring about $300 million in capex uh, to develop it. So those are the three key assets that we do have um, that we're operating in South Africa. I'm going to spend the next few minutes talking a little bit about the vanadium fundamentals. Starting off with the vanadium price, quite a volatile commodity price, as you can see, stretching back over 30 years. Uh, an important point I want to mention, however, is that all the historic previous peaks that we've seen in the vanadium price have largely been driven by temporary uh, uh, circumstances. We think what we do have today, however, is a unique and a structural change in the market, which will see a new flow to the vanadium price going forward. Three key points I'll mention. The first is that supply is concentrated, and it is constrained uh, with short-term reductions that we have seen um, and limited new supply prospects. Demand, meanwhile, is fairly robust, anchored in steelmaking, which has anchored vanadium demand for the more than 100 years now with significant upside from the energy storage applications. And the result is that it's a, structured, a structural sustained deficit which has seen the vanadium prices uh, behave the way they have over the last two years. <coughs> Speaking to supply, 90% of the world's vanadium comes from three main countries, China, Russia, and South Africa. <coughs> 88% of the world's vanadium production is from magnetite deposits which contain iron, vanadium, and titanium. To process this, you're either going to build a steel plant, pig iron plant, or you're going to build what is called a salt roast, a primary vanadium uh, plant. 74% of the world's production today comes from these co-production steel plants, mainly located in China and Russia. And then you've got about 14% which comes from primary production facilities, mainly located in South Africa and Brazil. <clears throat> A major distinction between the two is that with steel plants, the capex intensity is very, very high. You're talking about as much as five times as much capex as you will need to build a primary vanadium facility. There are a few other very significant constraints to co-production. And those constraints are uh, summarized here. High input costs because for the most part they are processing low-grade uh, captive mine uh, deposits that they have. Because they have to process and take out the titanium and the vanadium, the operating costs are also typically very, very high. And here's the interesting part. While in China they account for 50% almost of the world's vanadium production, they account for mere 5% of the world's steel production, which means they have very little, if any, leverage on steel prices. They are steel price takers, and their margins are largely, largely constrained. And the consequence, when you add on top of it the very negative environmental footprint, is that we have seen over the last few years supply from these sources actually come off. And this in an environment where vanadium prices have gone up almost tenfold. <clears throat> we talk a little bit about the uses of vanadium. Steel applications in the rebar continue to dominate the use of vanadium. But we also see the application of vanadium in the energy storage industry presenting a massive, massive upside for demand. The steel sector will continue to provide an anchor, of course, and largely driven by the growing intensity of use of vanadium in mainly emerging economies, which still have a, a way to go to catch up with the more developed economies. Supporting that closing of the gap in markets like China particularly, we've seen the introduction of regulations that are earmarked at outlawing the use of low-quality rebar and replacing it with higher-quality rebar. The implication of that is a greater amount of vanadium consumed in the construction space. 
uh, it's estimated that a new standard that was introduced in China in November last year will lead to as much as 30% incremental demand in vanadium in China alone uh, in 2019. But it is in the energy storage space that we see uh, very, very interesting developments. Um, although the steel sector anchors it, global, global adoption of vanadium redox flow batteries could see vanadium demand double by 2027. That's under 10 years. And what's driving that? Firstly, it's the thing that's called the electrification of everything. We have seen electricity as a share of global energy mix grow from 10% in 1980 to 20% today and will more than double to 45% by 2050. The significance of that is that it's stationary grid connected um, residential, commercial, and industrial users, which will account for as much as 70% of this demand. Now, why that's particularly important is that it is in this space that we see stationary energy applications develop. And that's why, even though it's still nascent, we're seeing the rapid growth of deployment of stationary energy storage uh, going forward. <clears throat> of importance there is that the main drivers of this adoption will be utilities and commercial and industrial users, which will account for uh, a large share of the stationary energy storage uh, consumption. Now, Navigant's recent research shows that as much as 90% of applications of stationary energy storage by 2027 will be in the long duration space. Why that is particularly important is because of the characteristics of vanadium redox flow batteries. Their design and their architecture is fairly simple. They are scalable, they are long duration battery systems, and they are long life cycle systems, and we're talking about 20-year uh, life. Um, they are safe intrinsically, and as I indicated, they are quite scalable. You talk about batteries of 400 megawatt hours, 800 megawatt hours, or 60 megawatt hours, you're talking really vanadium redox flow battery space. There is often talk about comparison between lithium-ion batteries and vanadium redox flow batteries. I'm not going to go into detail about this chart. Suffice to make the point that we believe that the energy storage space is a space which will have vanadium redox flow batteries, particularly in the long-duration space, sit side-by-side side with lithium-ion batteries in the shorter-duration space applications. <clears throat> what that means for vanadium demand is quite spectacular. You're talking about vanadium demand that could double by 2027, as I indicated earlier on. Now, if that sounds very aggressive, look at this chart, which shows historic forecasts of solar PV adoption. Each year, the forecast totally missed the mark. That solid chart, that solid arrow that is pointing vertically upwards is the actual deployments of solar PV that we have seen. And we're seeing a similar phenomenon today in energy storage applications. So, in essence, what that means, the market opportunity for VRFPs, it is large and is potentially 10 times the size of the current vanadium market. The robust steel demand will continue to anchor demand and therefore support supply development. As a company, we're uniquely positioned to effectively address the hurdles to VRFP adoption being security of supply of the vanadium as well as the cost input of the vanadium in the systems. In the process, we will support the diversification and strengthening of the vanadium demand profile while capturing a compelling commercial opportunity. And I need to emphasize this point. This also establishes a natural hedge for vanadium production against vanadium price downswings in the future. How do we give effect to that? We do that through this integrated model, which combines 
production of vanadium and applications downstream in the energy storage market. And in respect of that, we're looking at building, uh, we are in the process of building a manufacturing facility in South Africa, which will start off supplying about 200 megawatt hours of electrolyte to the global vanadium redox flow battery industry. We're also quite active working with battery manufacturers and in the markets to capture large-scale mandates for energy storage. And we're targeting as much as 1,000 megawatt hours of mandates by 2020. I should highlight also that important important point here, and is the fact that the capital intensity of our activity in the energy storage space is very, very small relative to the capital intensity of the mining and the processing infrastructure. We're talking about $10 million capex for a 200 megawatt hour electrolyte manufacturing facility. You're talking under $20 million for an assembly facility for redox flow batteries. And you're talking no capex for securing mandates because you're talking about project development teams in essence. And this is not an opportunity that is in the future. It's an opportunity that is here and now. In South Africa, ESCOM recently announced a 1,400-megawatt-hour battery procurement opportunity. The World Bank recently announced that it is supporting deploying a billion dollars towards uh, deployment of battery energy technologies in the emerging markets. So the opportunity is now. In summary, in conclusion, I just put up there six, seven key points that summarize the investment proposition of uh, Bushford Minerals. We have several catalysts that are coming up uh, in this calendar year, which is all really about uh, giving effect to this vision of a low-cost, large, vertically integrated vanadium platform. I'm going to stop here and just give you a very uh, few seconds snippet of our operations that we have in South Africa before I take a question. Thank you. Thank you very much. So I think we might have time for a very quick question, um, uh, and then we'll have to wrap it up. Any questions from the floor? So, um, Fortune, when you're thinking about, I mean, can you tell us a little bit more about your work you're doing with, with ESCOM and, and do you think, I mean, is Africa going to lead the way in, in energy storage? Is this the first uh, African-led technology? Um, look, ESCOM, we started Bushfire Energy about five years ago and we were very clear from the start that it is long duration, 
uh, energy storage application we're going to be targeting, and we're going to be targeting utilities specifically um, for a number of reasons, but chief of which is the fact that utilities the world over, they've got significant capital constraints, and they need to optimize their grids, and we see energy storage can do that in very, very meaningful ways. Fortunately, our, our interactions with ESCOM we have been very, very productive. It's a utility which recognizes the value proposition of energy storage. Um, and, and, you know, the announcement last year of a 1,400 megawatt hour battery uh, procurement program is not something that just started last year. It's something that started, um, you know, they've been working on it for quite a long period of time. The good thing is that even though ESCOM has got significant financial constraints, this procurement program is already funded. Um, so we do believe that it is actually going to come into, into effect. Uh, we already have installed a battery at ESCOM uh, in its testing facility, uh, which will help us already to do quite a bit of modeling uh, with the utility to demonstrate the proposition of our systems. Okay, well, thank you very much, Fortune. Awesome. Thank you.